welcome to the Wanderlust Journal podcast, based upon great storytelling. We'll be sharing adventures, recommendations, and tips for the aspiring writer. I'm your host, Sarah Leamy. I am a wanderer since I was a teenager hitching across France. I usually travel alone with dogs and in various vehicles. I'm the author of Van Life, Bring a Chainsaw, and numerous others. And I have a master's degree in writing and publishing, so you are in good hands today. If you'd like to hear more, simply subscribe, stick around, and we'll take you around the world. Today I'm recording from Truth or Consequences in New Mexico, actually Elephant Butte Reservoir. And the theme is going to be solo travels, uh, more about the art of solo travels today, the how to plan, research, budgeting, apps I recommend, tools, skills, questions to ask yourself about what to focus on whilst you're traveling, um, how to engage with others, and all of that good stuff. So today is definitely a solo travels focus again. We have Tiffany Coates, we have Wamayu Nadarati, and who else? Laurie Lee. So those are the four people, three people I'm going to talk to today, talk about today. And let's get started. In today's episode, you'll hear more on the topic of solo travels. Since my early 20s, I've been inspired by many of these following names. And with this episode in mind, I did some more research and came up with this how-to. Um, a lot of it is taken from a few articles and presentations of mine that I've given at Overland Expo West in Flagstaff. I'll talk about that a little bit more. And on... It's all about how I wandered off the beaten track and kept myself safe so far. And the inspiration was... One of the inspirations as a kid, I would have to say, would be Laurie Lee and my father. And they're probably the similar generation. So this is a little clip today from Laurie Lee called As I Walk Out One Midsummer Morning. I was 19 years old, still soft at the edges, but with a confident belief in good fortune. I carried a small rolled up tent, a violin and a blanket, a change of clothes, a tin of treacle biscuits and some cheese. I was excited, vainglorious, knowing I had far to go, but not as yet how far. As I left home that morning and walked away from the sleeping village, it never occurred to me that others had done this before me. I was propelled, of course, by the traditional forces that had sent many generations along this road, by the tight small valley closing in around one, stifling the breath with its mossy mouth, the cottage walls narrowing like the arms of an iron maiden, the local girls whispering, marry and settle down. Months of restless unease leading to this inevitable moment had been spent wandering around the hills, mournfully whistling and watching the high open fields stepping away eastwards under gigantic clouds. And now I was on my journey, in a pair of thick boots and a hazel stick in my hand. Naturally, I was going to London, which lay a hundred miles to the east, and it seemed equally obvious that I should go on foot. But first, as I'd never yet seen the sea, I thought I'd walk to the coast and find it. This would add another hundred miles to my journey, going by the way of Southampton. But I had all summer and all the time to spend. That first day alone, and now I was really alone at last, steadily declined in excitement and vigour. As I tramped through the dust towards the Wiltshire Downs, a growing reluctance weighed me down. White elder blossom and dog roses hung in the hedges, blank as unwritten paper. And the hot, empty road, and there were few motor cars then, reflected Sunday's waste, indifference. High, sulky summer sucked me towards it, and I offered no resistance at all. Through the solitary morning and afternoon, I found myself longing for some opposition or rescue, for the sound of hurrying footsteps coming after me and family voices calling me back. None came. I was free. 
I was affronted by freedom. And so begins As I Walked Out One Summer Morning by Laurie Lee. And I include him here. One, just the language and the vividness of the scene that he just set as this kid and, and set in 1934 is when he left out and just how minimal he went, how he was just propelled by life at home. And I have to um, <laughs> agree with him. He was born in Stroud in Gloucestershire and educated at Slad Village School and at the Stroud Central School. At the age of 19, he walked to London and then travelled on foot through Spain where he was trapped by the outbreak of civil war. And so that's this is the book I recommend. It was a real inspiration. It's definitely a timepiece from the 1930s, although it wasn't published until 1969. It makes me think of my dad, who, when he was a teenager, I believe um, early 20s, he'd been in hospital for a long time with a broken back. He got out of hospital, got on a motorcycle and explored uh, Europe for a year on his own on a motorbike. So this is all definitely in the family, I have to say. I often get questions about budgeting. How do we budget and how do you save money in order to go on your own? Because obviously you're not, you have no one to share, share the expenses with. Laurie Lee did not have any money and he made it by working and settling in and helping out as he went along. Um, that is definitely the way I used to be. When I first started traveling to the States in my early 20s, I brought enough money to um, get me here and keep me going a little bit, but I had no credit cards, no family money. And I basically worked and did what people, whatever people needed to make it happen. And I know, um, having talked to Tiffany Coates, the mo British motorcyclist who's gone around the world on her bike and done tons of different adventures, I'll get to her in a second, she also talked about that, about how her method and budget for traveling is to get to the next place, work, save money to get you to the next place. And so that's one way to do it. Um, I wanted to talk to talk about the next person is a Swiss explorer, Sarah Marcus. And she walked from, let's see, Siberia to Siberia, Russia, Asia, Tasmania. I mean, she's walked all over the world. And they're usually very long exploratory walks, solo and in remote places. And one question in this interview that I'll link below she was asked about how does she research where she's going and when there's not a lot of information. And Sarah Marcus said, and I quote, I go on location. That is the only way. I talk to people. For my last expedition to Tasmania, I went to find some old fishermen and old bushmen, and I started to talk to them. It is an investigation first with the people on location. I go to historical sites, and I really try to figure out everything that happened from the past to today. Then I find the topographical map of the location in the right government office. After all of that, I come back home with the information. I also try to find books about the area from back in the day. I search in big old libraries, and there's no information online for the places I want to go. And she continues, The most important thing is to go on location and sniff the air, listen to the language, eat the food and breathe, breathe the culture. To understand the country, you have to understand the people and the language. And a lot of times, I learned the language. I learned Mongolian, for example. I speak a bit of Russian, a bit of Mongolian, and I speak perfectly four. But every country, I pick enough to have a 150-word conversation. It's really important for me. If you don't speak the language, that's your first barrier to communicating with the people. You need to speak the language. 
And I have to agree. I think it's very important to make some efforts. I think it's easier coming from Europe. We're around lots of different other languages, or we pay more attention to the fact that we're in a continent with many cultures, many languages, many countries. And I it I discover that it's very different here in the States, where I've been living for quite a while now. Very few people here speak other languages, it seems, or very few people in my world. But I would recommend if you are going, say, to Mexico, uh, which I'm doing, learn some language, listen to the radio, make an effort, do what you can. Do not expect that fisherman on the boat, on the harbor, to understand what the hell you're talking about when you just start speaking in English to him, because he's not going to know. The one nice thing about traveling on your own is that you're free to follow the signs that capture your attention. So it's good to have a loose plan, places you'd like to visit in the area, perhaps set a few goals for small week-long trips or extended travels. But um, also plan the fact that you're going to stop a lot, you're going to be looking around a lot. There are many resources for public camping grounds. Um, you can contact various ranger stations in the National Forest in the state. There is, I recommend, iOverlander um, and in the states, the dirt. But iOverlander is an international global resource. It's an app and it helps you find and filter your map to show camping areas, wild camping, campgrounds, water, propane, gas, groceries, immigration, pretty much anything and everything when you're on the road. So do check that out, iOverlander app. Um, for physical maps, I recommend you combine using your phone app and a physical map, physical atlases, because, you know, if you're not in towns and you're not in urban areas, a lot of the time you're going to lose track, you're going to lose cell service. So uh, for the west of the states, I recommend Benchmark Atlases. They have a really good one that came out recently for Baja, which I use. And I used it for New Mexico. Uh, there isn't one for Colorado, oddly enough, but all across the West, California, Arizona, etc. So that's a really good resource. Another question is budget. So yes, I touched on that a second ago as far as like, how do you know what to take, right? For me, a lot of the packing and a lot of the budget comes from the vehicle. It's vehicle dependent. How are you going to get there and how are you going to get around when you get there? I recommend that you think about what you have rather than get caught up in the uh, Western idea of you need this, this and this. Less is best, definitely. However, when you travel, whether it's backpacking, hitching, motorcycles, buses, trains, pickup trucks or camper van, keep it simple. Um, the packing definitely becomes more complicated when you're taking dogs and cats, which I've done. But I've noticed that for what I take, it seems fairly consistent regardless of how I'm going. There's the basics of clothes, bedding, simple kitchen, water storage, tools for basic repairs. And, you know, for me, also the critters foods and leashes and harnesses and tie downs and all of that stuff. And a first aid kit. So definitely bring a first aid and now, reluctantly, I'll take us to the topic of safety. This is the biggest question I ever get when I'm traveling on my own. When I meet people at campsites and they're like, oh, you're on your own. How do you stay safe? Aren't you scared? No, I'm not scared. I mean, it's there are more accidents of people driving their own cars. There are uh, more attacks of um, in the States. Consider that 70% of the rapes are done by men who know the female victims. 
yes, that still means there's another 30%, um, which I've experienced myself, of being attacked. I was 18, and I was a stowaway on a train going from Nice to Paris, and the guard made out that he was going to help me because it was cold, and I was wet and just tired, and it was an overnight train, and um, rather than throw me off the train, he offered me a space in his in his room, and so you know, you can see where this went. I didn't. I was 18. Anyway, I yelled and screamed and hit him and got out. But so I do know, uh, and that's not the only time, but honestly, it's not part of my mindset. Um, In fact, I could go on a bit of a rant about it as far as the media and how that's setting us up and neuroscience. Maybe I'll do that another day. But there's some basic rules that are pretty similar whether you're going to a different city in your home country or a city that's unfamiliar to you elsewhere. I mean, as women, we know to be aware, we know to dress appropriately, um, not to go down those alleys at night. We always, whenever we step into a room, we assess what's going on and the vibe and the energy and the male-female ratio and just we trust our instincts. And Carla King, travel writer, she's known for riding her motorcycle all over the USA, Asia, Europe, Americas, and Africa, and usually rides her motorcycle solo. And she talks quite often about that sense that I just talked about, the use your intuition, never talk yourself out of acting on your gut feelings. You know, we know uh, our instincts are there for a reason. So trust them. They've done you well in the past. So that's the main one big issue of safety. Another one I would say, and she agrees, is um, slow down. If you're distracted, you're not paying attention. You want to be um, aware. You want to take your time. You're less likely to be careless. You're more likely to lock the doors, know what's around. So take care of yourself. Eat well, sleep well, drink a lot of water. Um Americans always ask if uh, we carry weapons with women, and the answer is no. I would say don't, especially if you're traveling in different countries, and just don't. It escalates. You don't want to escalate into worse than it can be. It's very much a certain mindset and one that I don't appreciate, and I believe that it's not helpful. So when you're traveling, um, dress appropriately and ask for help when you need it. You know, if you are feeling a little uncertain, if the man's bugging you or someone's, you feel like someone's watching you, you know, go to the nearest store, go to the nearest cafe, talk to someone on the street that looks safe for you and reach out, talk to people, okay? One last thought for today, coming from New Mexico. Um, When someone tells you they're going off on their own, don't say safe travels. Tell them happy travels. Focus on the positive because, you know, we're going to be, we're always going to have a little bit of worry in our heads because that's what we do. And even um, me, after doing it all these years, I'm still, I still get cautious. I still am very aware when vehicles drive up or if I'm parked way out in the middle of nowhere or camped. But... I am so much happier when my friends say happy travels, see you soon, enjoy yourself, rather than stay safe, aren't you scared? Because no, nope, that's not the way I want to go. Thank you for listening today. We will do another episode, probably at some point, 
on solo travels because that's what I am focused on. But um, there'll be Baja, stories about Baja uh, markets in Asia and Africa. And we'll have some readings from South America. I want to talk about birds and butterflies and nature and architecture. So the next few episodes will be about the focus of what we're doing whilst we're traveling. Bear us in mind. Don't forget, subscribe, stay in touch, and thank you very much. Thank you.